Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to a DM podcast. Just a quick warning. This podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Ian Roberts was a front row NRL footballer, known in the game for his toughness. In 1995, Ian Roberts came out in public and announced that he was gay. Ian Roberts now today is a gay icon that is changing the face of sport through conversations and education about equality. Ian Roberts, welcome to The Stick Up. It's nice to be here, Russ. Thank you, mate. It's, uh, it's always good for me to get to be asked to do anything like this. No, man. I, I, I remember reading. I was in. I was actually reading in, in prison. I read your book and I was just amazed. Wow. Okay. That, that book came out, I think, in 96, 97. Yeah, I read it in 97. Wow. Wow. Okay. It's kind of weird because that book, uh, everything in that book was real, like true, but it was a very pastel painted version of my life at that time. It was, you know, I was still. Um, Coming to terms with coming to terms with coming out, basically, and 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 uh, walking around with a profile as a gay man. That was all a bit, and everyone knowing you're gay before anything else. That was potentially. And you came out ninety five, yeah, ninety four. I came out. I came out on the uh, on the kangaroo tour. Like <laughs> the truth is, right? I was never. You know, I hadn't really. I was never really in. It was the worst kept secret in rugby league that I was gay. Even when when I was at South, I was clubbing. I was like living an out gay life. Um, at South, it wasn't too bad. There, it, it, there wasn't. I wasn't ever made to feel uncomfortable. I mean, George Pickens had, had a conversation with me once, just saying that he was a bit concerned that um, people might be getting the wrong impression or whatever. But that, but he was he was saying that out of you know general concern. And then when I went to Manly, um, you know, my, my then partner Shane, we're still good friends now. I mean, Shane, everyone knew I was gay. I mean. What year did you go to Manly? Nineteen ninety. You know, yeah. remember the mascot, the uh, the seagull mascot, the yeah. guy who used to run around that big fluffy yeah. suit. Well, that was Shane, my partner. Okay. Everyone knew that. <laughs> Everyone knew that. You know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But and then it was almost uh, when I came out publicly, it was almost like a big, a, a bit of a allowing people to breathe out. It was just like, oh, he finally done it. You know. And, and having spoken to to reporters since then, and uh, and. Uh, asking them why they didn't ask me prior to me ma- making that statement myself, like publicly, they were always said out of respect for you like, in your own time. So I mean, that was done really. Con- con- it was kind of cool, like gr- gracefully, like yeah. by the, the uh, Australian media. If, I don't know if you remember Justin Fashionu in nineteen ninety, who was an English Premier League player, came out in nineteen ninety. He was the first man in, in a, um, a male contact team sport to come out. 
the and that's back in a time mate when there was no mobile phones and whatever you you know whatever you know we used to have to sit and watch a tv get your news or read a paper yeah. or in any local rags or the gay rags or whatever but you know the um the media the british media were brutal to him they they just terrorized him the uh, the english fans um brutalized him too he retired in 94 and he died of suicide in 98 I do remember in 1990 when I first went to Manly, I was going to come out publicly then. And having seen the way that that, that the press and the and the uh, the supporters of the game over in England attacked him, and um, it's a form of terrorism. It's exactly what it is, mate. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, but but you know, you're also looking at a very different time then, too, mate. Mm. We're now talking about the 90s, you know, like uh, it was a very different uh, environment. You know, like that's back in the time, you know, it sounds awful to say that's back in the time when they were throwing gay men off cliffs around eastern suburbs, you know. And, and touching on that, I was in jail with the guys that done that. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way, but we still got a long, yeah, a long way to go, mate. There's, there's still an incredible amount of ignorance around all that. I mean, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm talking about men's sport here. I think women's sport is all over this space, mm. like, you know, the, the LGBTIQA plus space in, in and around sport. I think women's sport is like, they kind of embrace diversity inclusion mm. and it doesn't seem to be the issue but I, particularly men's contact sports I mean we've just had um, Isaac Humphreys the uh, basketball player come out uh, in the last couple of months we had Josh uh, Cavalera uh, down in the um, in the A-League from Adelaide United came out about 18 months ago so there's there's been a bit of a trickle but the truth is mate it's still there is still that I, I, I feel, particularly within, like I said, the sporting environment, that, that being gay is being a gay male in in a contact sport is almost like a, it's seen as a weakness. But you played at Souths. That South side, Bundy, Les Davidson, Mario Fennick, Craig Coleman. <laughs> Pretty scary, scary Mate, team. That was the toughest. That was, and, and people talk about tough teams, and they talk about that being the toughest team ever. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Like, and I, <laughs> when I went to Souths, I... I, I uh, the first game was in '86, uh, and the first game was in the Charity Shield against St George. And my growing up at, at that age, I was 20. My, my star players was was Craig Young, and I was actually opposite Craig Young. Craig Young, the front row, arm yeah. um, hold up, squad copper. Yeah, yeah. he was all head, and it, it, he was just like an oak tree, just yeah. all trunk. It was yeah. there, there was there was no limbs; it was just all trunk yeah. from the head down. Great player, but um, we. And you know, like like you said, we had Bundy, like um, Dave Boyle, Hooky, Mario, uh, Wayne Chisholm, um, Paulie Roberts was there as well. Mate, um, but we used to have this uh, this <laughs> this <laughs> Craig Coleman Tugger. We used to have this call Henry. I don't know if you know about this. Henry was and I, like I'm new to the team, right? I mean, these guys scared me. I was I was playing alongside of them. I'll just explain what the call is. It was called Henry. Um, it's uh, named after the famous Henry Morris from South Juniors, yeah. champion bloke. But it's uh, Henry meant was an all in. Like we had to bung it on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget it. There was a second. Uh, it was a second scrum. Of, of the game and Craig Tugger, his thing was he used to walk between the um, the two uh, scrums, the two the packs of forwards, mm. and he'd put the ball in the air and oh, t- um, Henry's on, Henry's on, and I, <laughs> I was like, I'm 20 years old, right? And I, I looked across as Craig, and I was just thinking, no, no, just, no, not now, not now. It didn't work out for me. Like, thankfully, Craig Young put me out of my misery really quickly. <laughs> um, I kind of I kind of came into rugby league when there was that there was a sense of change happening mm. 
in and about the game. Like you yeah. had players like like Wayne Pierce. Yeah, and then a couple of years after me, there was uh, he would have been someone like you would have looked up to. Wouldn't you? Oh like yeah, his just just his, his training, his 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 the the science that he brought to it, like mm. the sporting science, and which you see now, you know, it's a very different game. Then you had a couple of years after, I started you know, blokes like Brad Clyde and that that real um, an ath- more of an athlete, not an athlete's game, but there was uh, a lot more um, skill involved. I mean, you look at it now, like guys. I mean, apart from a few positions like fullback, halfback, dummy half, five eight, maybe everyone else is interchangeable. Like yeah. from wingers to front rowers, they're all yeah, running yeah. thirteen seconds and a hundred meters. It's all about a game of centimeters. I mean, even the ball now, you can hold that ball out. You know, you can hold that ball stretched out with with your hand because mm. it's grip. The science in the sport. Back when I was playing, we had to like those leather balls. Once they got wet, it was like carrying a block of yeah. like, block of cement around. I remember the Australian team coming to Long Bay in 1986 with Jack Gibson and I had this leather steed in Australian yeah. uh, uh, football yeah. signed by the whole team. I seen Wayne Pierce the other day. He still looks fit enough to play, him and his wife, Terry. He's doing all right, mate. He's, uh, he's, he's mixed up with the commission, the uh, Rugby League Commission, the Sports Commission, yeah. Let's go back a bit. You grew up, was that Maroubra? You went to school in Maroubra? Yeah, Maroubra. I went from school from Maroubra, kindergarten, right through to um, high school. I, was, I, I didn't really have um, – I wasn't really uh, gifted intellectually, mate. My, uh, my family, my mum and dad came out to uh, – we're English, I'm English, mm. my brother – Older brother and my older sister are all English. My mum and dad came out as ten pound palms with three kids in tow. I had another little girl when they got here. They're only really coming out for uh, for a bit of a holiday for for two years because um, the idea was back then if you came out as a ten pound pond, you could go back after two years and, and the government would pay for the trip back. So mm-hmm. they, the initial plan was just to come out and have a holiday. Like I said, they come out, three kids in tow, three hundred pound in their pocket, and same with mine. My parents come out from Liverpool. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. I got three brothers and a sister born in Liverpool, England. Me, and my brother born in Liverpool, Australia. Right, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm a scouser. Right, but okay. So what age did you start playing league? Well, I was about four or five. Just like that's just what you did, you know. Like it's just what everyone did. It was um, it's cultural in that area. Yeah, right? it's like it was absolutely what it is cultural thing. It's um, and it's just what everyone did. And like, you aspired back then. Like there was only one team you could play for. It. South. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used, yeah. I mean, we used to go to we used to. My mum and dad were big South. They ended up becoming big South supporters. We used to go to Redfern all the time. I'd be sliding down the. You remember the old hills mm. back there down the down the down the mud. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, like we were just. They'd, Mum and Dad had the same spots behind the goalposts at the uh, at the south end for oh, since I can remember. And who was your favourite player when you were growing up? How'd you look up to? It wasn't really a south player. I mean, my, my the, the first couple of players that, that come to mind for me were, were um, uh, Ray Price and, and Bobby oh. and Bobby Fulton yeah, yeah. and Bozo. Like, but, yeah. but, like I. You, you end up being coached by Bozo, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. Champion, mate. absolutely. He would be the best coach I got. I I, I probably played my best football under Bozo. Like. Mm. Um, he was. Um, he'd let play, he'd let players ex- use that what they were good at. He excel at what they were good at. Smart um, businessman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when was your first rep? What first rep team did you make? You start making rep team. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I was always like, I was always pretty good at sport. Like I said, like schooling was never my thing. I um, 
I, I couldn't read and write. Like dyslexia wasn't a thing growing up. Like that wasn't a, um, a diagnosis back then. You were just dumb. Yeah, I got that one. I had to repeat first class. Um, I did too. It was the most embarrassing thing, and I never ever. I don't think I ever really got over that shame of always being a year older than everyone else in my, in my year. And I yeah. like I couldn't couldn't read and write. That that was like of all the things I was never worried about being same sex attracted ever. Yeah. But the, the thing of not being able to read and write and being that kid every time you'd have to the teacher would tell you to re- stand up and read a page of the book or whatever oh. and making that making the scene where you make it about something else and you get sent out the room or whatever that was, that dickhead was me yeah <laughs> yeah mate I was always up the principal's office oh. on the naughty chair yeah I get it I get it so what year did you go actually into grade in eighty five I was in in eighty five I was playing playing uh, B grade at um, at mascot and then and then the last six games of the year I just got called up wow. played under 23s and I played four reserve grade games that was in the, and then in 86 I was George took over George Piggins what made that south side what made them so tough what it, was that what was the ingredients that made all them boys so tough because that yeah, it was a different formula of rugby league then, but mate, it was. I mean, that was all. There was a lot more confrontational stuff and a lot more f- physical like stuff that you never, you, you couldn't get away with. Now, you, you, some some players would get banned for life. Some of the stuff that went on, that was kind of the way that the, the game was played back then. Um, uh, it was like much more confrontational, much more one on one on one stuff as well. We weren't the uh, we weren't the most skilled side. What we lacked in 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 probably. Um, like finesse, we, we made up for it in like um, coming as a, like a, as a pack. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you had something. Yeah, you guys had something, and, and everyone talks about. I seen Bundy, champion, a couple bloke. of years ago. Up at he was funny. He's full of piss. But when I seen him, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was funny, funny and funny ass. A sad part about it, a lot of those players, they've got like, they're like, look at Mario, the concussion, really sad. It's so unfortunate, but that's becoming such a familiar story. Mario's not the only person from that era. Like, there's been a number of players now, and, and like, it's there's still a lot of um, uh, embarrassment about it and players speaking up about it because, mm-hmm. you know, it affects you personally, it affects you, your, your own profile and how people perceive you after that once you... Uh, you know, I, I tip my hat to Mario doing that, totally owning and and, and doing it for, for the for the good of the cause, and hopefully yeah. being able to help other people. But there was a lot of other people, and, and you know, it's now a diagnosis as well. Like yeah. it's a real thing. Like people get oh, this comes from like head knocks. This is not a good thing. Like at least now there's some science behind it. We still got a lot of work to do, but they, mm. um, you know, I think all the rule changes. I, I'm all for all the rule changes. Like I, uh, the safer we can make make the game, the more inclusion and and, and the more and the more kids you'll have playing it um and it's just got to be safer mate like we just don't like to see that stuff it's like you know i i think the generations before me i mean i um so mario is probably a generation older than me um we're talking about mario fennec south sydney front row north sydney front row champion 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 bloke he's three four years older than me and when he first came into grade like all that stuff there, there was a lot more like blues and there's a lot more um illegal uh, stuff that was not so much um, accepted it was just part of the it's just kind of the way the game was played I remember seeing Andy Gregory just take Brad- were you in that game when he just took out Bradley Clyde he just whacked him and he 
<laughs> I, I, when, when I first when I when I, uh, I went to I had a season in Wigan right yeah. after the uh, the under twenty threes grand final in, in what year was it eighty six I flew out the next day to play in Wigan and a week later I was playing against Andy Gregory and I didn't know who he was right. It's just he's a, he's a snort, a short, like small or nuggety yeah, halfback, yeah. and over there you can change um, you can change teams mid season, right? So we played. I was playing for Wigan. We played for Warrington, and I never forget it. Like it was about five minutes into the game, and um, he tackled me, and then uh, I got up. I played the ball. I'd hurt my ankle or something. So I, and he like I'd gone down to like have a look at my ankle, and he and he's booted me in the head, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "You if Aussie." <laughs> like he, and, I looked, and I looked up at him. I'm just like, what, what's going on? But the next week, he was playing alongside me. He, he transferred to Wigan, yeah. and he, he like, and I saw him at trade. He said, oh, I hope it wasn't out of line about all that stuff. <laughs> that was nothing personal. <laughs> nothing personal. But he was, he was a, like, he was such a like, a, he was a real warrior. Oh my god, he was crazy. I remember as an international game, he just walked out and just swing arm took Bradley Clyde out the game, and I think he just got sent off and maybe. He would be out of the game now. Yeah, that's one the, 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 that was yeah, that's, that's a bygone era, mate. Like, and thankfully that I mean, I'm a dinosaur, you know. Like, I I, I get it. Like, a lot of the stuff that that, that, that even stuff that I do, that you, players can't do anymore. But but I think that's it's healthy for the game. Like, you got to look at it. You you mm. don't you don't want these these ongoing issues about you know CTE and and, and yeah. all that. It's like. I, I, the lawyer, I, I work with lawyers. They're coming at the game yeah, at the moment. Absolutely. They're asking me to find players. But um, now, when did it sort of come to you? Because in, in your book, I remember your first sort of gay gay encounter was with a, you were on a, a camp, a football camp, when you were about fifteen or sixteen. Oh no, no, no! Like I, um, mate, I, I can never not remember being same sex attracted, whatever that means. All right, yeah. like, like I've. I have I have an instance, and I and I know this is that uh, it was 1972 when I first realised, and I didn't associate with the word gay, but when I realised that I was different, it was because there was a show on TV called Checkerboard on the ABC, and we've we've only just had the 50th anniversary of this show. The Checkerboard show was um, uh, it was a documentary about about homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> Even hearing that word now sounds weird, doesn't it? But it was uh, it was the first time that two uh, gay men had kissed on TV, and um, I was sat next to me dad. We were watching the TV. It was 1972, so I would have been seven years old. These two men had kissed on TV, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's what I'm like. I, I do that with Barry Riley." <laughs> the next one. <laughs> um, Shout out to you, Barry. <laughs> uh, but my dad and I, I use the language my dad said. I I, I thought oh, I'm like that. That's how I fit, I'm like that. I could un- understand that, but my dad said, "Oh, you know, they make my fucking skin creep." Mm. And I also realised at that point, "Oh, this is something that needs to be kept to yourself." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I grew up in an incredibly loving like household, mate, but um, there was a lot of misogynistic, racist, homophobic. Mm. Uh, yeah, language. and that comes back. back that's English. That was the English culture. Very, I mean, you know, it's a terrible Still. thing to say this, and it, it, my mum and dad went on such a journey. You know, they became like LGBTQA plus allies, like the, the best allies of all time. But they, they they went on a real journey. And when that, they initially left England to get, a, this sounds awful, but, but I'll say what they used to say, to get away from the blacks. Mm. I mean, that even hearing that stuff, it kind of yeah. spins me out. Yeah, but but you know, their journey is is fantastic. They they that a one uh, an absolute one one eighty. Yeah. Given your mum and dad had those strong opinions. Tell me about the first conversations that took place about your, your sexuality. 
It was difficult, mate, because I was... Um, Did they, do you reckon they suspected it? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, yes, uh, but they'd always denied it too. Like, the, the, um, you know, it's kind of weird. We, we've got the old 8mm films, you know, from when we were kids. Yeah. And you, you can see how camp I am in some of those films, mate, <laughs> when I'm six and seven running around, flapping my, my wrists around and, like, I mean... I'm, um, and I'm like, yeah, look at that. Like, <laughs> come on, mum. That, that, you know, that's... That, that, that's, that's a telltale sign. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I mean, mm. um, it was difficult, mate. I went through a patch when, when I first came out to my parents. I mean, I everyone's coming out story is very personal, but mine was uh, probably a little bit more public because of my profile. Mm. I mean, I was I was never closeted in the fact that, you know, I was always out, always had a, a boyfriend and that growing up, you know, like a, uh, not a boyfriend that I was publicly open with you know it was always a boyfriend in secret type mm. thing but because i was always out on the scene you know that's how that's that's why i was saying earlier it was the worst kept secret in rugby league but there are some things you can't protect those people you care about from and the thing that i couldn't stop was when people like were shouting homophobic salute you know robert you faggot mm. uh, like and all that well the thing that used to upset me most most because my mum and dad were at the football they would hear that stuff mm. right uh, and like I said, but there are some things you just can't protect those people that you care about from. Yeah. Like um, my mum used to work at Qantas, and um, this is the coming out. This is what brought it to a head. Um, my mum used to work at Qantas, and there was two boys sitting. And anyway, so she's at lunch. There's two boys sitting opposite. I was only telling this story yesterday at a at another event. There's two boys sitting opposite her at the lunch table reading an article on on me, right? Not knowing that my, that. that my mum sat opposite them. My mum's having a sandwiches, whatever, sandwiches, and one boy, and I'm going to use the language again, right? So people realise how impactful language can be and how devastating, like, you know... Words are weapons. Words are weapons, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, one boy says to the other boy, oh, that's him, that, that him, Robert, he got caught sucking a guy off on Oxford Street. Mm. Right? <laughs> now, let me just premise this, boy, that that's not fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't on Oxford Street, it was on William Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got the streets yeah, wrong. No, I didn't get caught. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it was just two boys bantering about being yeah. homophobic, like homophobic shit, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. As they but do. you can you can only imagine how my mum, like, yeah. is in, like literally a metre away, but like she's devastated, she's been to the footy, she's heard all these slurs and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I, later that night... Um, uh, I got a phone call off my dad when I got home from training. He says, "Oh boy, you got to come round, you know." So I got re- I got home. It was like walking into a into a funeral parlor. I, I was like, "God, it felt like someone had died." Or yeah. It's like Oof. my mum was bawling. My dad's like, "Boy, you're going to need to sit down and, and talk to us." And I'm like, "What's happened?" Like they told me, you know, what happened, and I and obviously they didn't believe the story either. But they just said, "Look, you know, we hear things all the time." We just we just want to hear you say that you're not gay and that's good enough for us. That's what my dad said, right? Mm-hmm. Just want to hear you say you wanted to disclaim you're not gay and that's good enough for mm-hmm. us. And I just like at that point I was like I was about twenty three, twenty four, I think, and um, and my mum's bawling and and um, anyway, so I, I just said to him, "Yeah, Dad, I am. I'm gay." And my <laughs> the crazy thing, my dad looks at me like he goes, "Blake," he says, "But you play front row." Only <laughs> meant for centers. I, I was like, I was like, how did you even go there? Like, what? It, and like, it, it, like he, he was shocked. My mother was howling and didn't go well anyway. You know, like um, then I got the whole thing. Oh, you've got to keep this quiet. You've got to, you know, you've got to never let anyone know and find out about this. And I'm like, oh no, I'm kind of over all that. You know, I'm kind of just fed up with that shit. Like, I just, 
it's not my problem anyway. But then I got the, um, well, you know, we don't want you to bring your boyfriend around here. And I was like, well, if I can't bring my partner around and, and my my brother and sisters brought their partners around all the time, I said, look, I'm not coming here. And I didn't see my family really. I had a really bad relationship for about three years after that. That must have hurt. Yeah, yeah. But it is what it is too. I mean, you know, I'm a bit pig-headed. I can't get that from my dad. Yeah. Um, and stubborn. But um. But it is what it is. I mean, I, and I don't know, like, that's not a tragic story. That's not an inspirational story. But there are thousands of stories out there that are a thousand times worse than that. You know what I mean? There are, there are some people that, that get thrown out of home that, that get totally rejected. Oh, you know, that's why suicide's it's so prevalent. It's awful, mate. Yeah. Suicide's yeah. so prevalent in a gay community. It's crazy, mate. Yeah, five times more likely. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, is that the yeah, stats? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can I tell you my coming out party? I got out of prison. I'll tell you quickly a quick story. In 1998, I got a midnight release from prison, right? So I was get it was one second past midnight. I got picked up by a limo at Windsor Jail and drove down to Biblos on Oxford Street. Oh, <laughs> and um, it was my getting out party, right? And Jim Dimmick were there, Nick Kossef and that were there. Yeah. And I'm, I was I, I, a couple of guys goes, "Come, mate, when did when did you come out?" And I said, "Oh, mate, last midnight." <laughs> <laughs> And I said, how does your family feel? I said, they feel great. I'm having seafood lunch with him today, you know. Have you had any backlash? I said, have you had any backlash? And I said, no, no, I'm fucking... And I said, I'm looking for a job. And they said, oh, yeah. And he's gay. This guy... Oh, got that's gold, mate. Where did you come out? Oh, I just got... I've just, I just come out, mate. I've just... <laughs> One second past midnight. What were you waiting for? And I was like, this guy. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, I'm going to use that story. Yeah, I'm gonna... <laughs> well, well, this guy came up to me and he had a pair of jodhpurs on and a skull cap and no shirt on, a little crop. And he came up and he's doing his dance. He said, how does it feel to come out? And I said, fucking fantastic. Fuck, I've been liberated. <laughs> I'm free. And, it was like, and then Jim said, ah, and he starts laughing. Jim oh. says, Jim says, oh, you know what it is? He said, they think it's your coming out party. Said, it's me getting out party. You know? Oh, that's gold, mate. That's, that is the, that's the, one of the best stories of all time. I was going along with it. Yeah, yeah, fucking great to be oh, out. <laughs> About five or six blokes asked me. One bloke came and kissed me and said, that's a bit rich. That <laughs> made you push in the bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they kissed me on my lips. I went, hey, boy. That is gold. When you did come out like was there a sense of relief like it was it, like I said it allowed everyone to breathe out just uh, just everyone's like oh thank fuck for that he's done it like, like mm. we don't have to fucking tiptoe around that fucking that, that, you know, all the landlines anymore but you encourage so many young people like you're you're known as a gay icon uh, because of that the sporting sport has such a reach like that that, that you know poli- that the arts and that politics and that the the legal professions don't like sport. Sport is like for the everyday person, the everyday man. Like, and I can appreciate the position I played, um, and I did have like the reputation I had. Um, but a lot of that was, you know, the reason I, I had that reputation, and, and I used to, because I was conscious of, of of my sexuality too, and always having to feel like sometimes. You know, I just wanted not not to be not to be the not to be a better man, but just to be in that world, that aggressive world, just like the equal of anyone else. If that makes sense. Oh, 100 percent, it makes sense. 
I think you change the persona of people who have of gay people. Stereotypes. Yeah, the stereotype. I think you, you single-handedly, big, muscly, can fight, don't fuck with him, because people think, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing, people think, Ian Roberts, they think gay footballer, and they said, you see what he done to Gary Jack? Yeah. Can we mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I know, I know, you're not too proud of it. But no, no, I'm not. I mean, it's, it's that was that was just a young guy acting out. I mean, I was it uh, was it was there any homophobic slur or anything? Was there people have asked me that? Uh, mate, no, no, no. no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't around that. That was that was all my own insecurities, mate. It was yeah. just like um, I'm not proud of, of, of what happened. It, like, and he uh, sued you over it, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it cost me plenty too, <laughs> I mean, and, and rightfully so. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy, you know, I'm not denying no. that. I, I've apologised to him, I've apologised to his family. Yeah. Manly. You're playing for Manly then, eh? Yeah. Po- I can remember the uppercuts, they were brutal. Uh, I felt them. <laughs> you know, in prison, prison uh, in jail, prison knows society secrets. And we all knew in 92 that you're gay. Yeah. Everyone, like, they know everyone's who got who and who's having sex with who and yeah. what po- politician goes and visits the glory holes. Yeah. And they know everyone's, and, and, and a lot of people, and everyone said, yeah, he's gay. You know, and, and other blokes would go, fucking look at the size of him, mate. You know, him coming at you. It's funny, you know, because I, I used to, like, the opposite, I used to, I used to sometimes get that, like, in reverse from the gay community. I, I, I did, I mean, maybe it was on my own insecurities or, or whatever, but I, yeah, I always used to feel that um, that I didn't fit the mould either. Like, yeah, that was that was always, I questioned myself about that, or like, about that, just that stereotype growing up and what I'd always been, Told was gay as well, and that was never me. That was never me. Like was, yeah. yeah that, that I used to have a real like I did. I did used to have some problems with that sometimes about not being any of those stereotypes. But that's all they are. But like you kind of learn that as you mm. mature and get older. I mean, and the other thing is, mate. I mean, I, I look back to that person that I was. I'm, I'd love to be able to have a like a chat to that twenty-five-year-old bloke. Like, and, and what just, would you say? Mate, things would be okay. Just. Yeah, yeah. Things, yeah, yeah, chill. Just mm-hmm. things would be okay, mate. Just have some chocolate, you know. What I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I look back now. I, I, I mean, we're talking about something that was like thirty odd years ago. Like, I did. I don't even know who that person. was. Like, you know what I mean? Like thirty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember kind of what I was thinking, but I think so much has changed since then. I want to touch on something too, because I'm, I'm an abusive. I'm a sexual abusive, and that happened to you too, didn't it? You were sexually abused yeah. as, as a. Yeah. As a yeah. How old were you then? Um, I was about uh, 15. The man who sexually abused me, was uh, his name was Fredericks. Mm. Um, I know their name. I know their names come up in the work we do. Because, look, I talk about, in the work I do, I've got, 16, I've got a business called The Voice of a Survivor, and we help survivors of institutional abuse. I've got 16,500 clients. Me coming out and telling my story of abuse, it was, like, so healing for me. And to be able to freely talk about it. Because they say a perpetrator's greatest weapon is his victim's silence and shame. You know, and did, what did that leave you with that abuse? Um, you know, it's kind of weird because when it happened, um, happened twice. But when it happened, um, in my head, I mean, the, the thing that I had to deal with because I, I knew, I already knew. I'm, I'm going to use the word gay, but I, even though I wasn't associating with that word, I knew I was same sex attracted even back mm-hmm. then, right? And the, but I was like, just I thought he knew that I was same sex attracted, and that's what almost gave him permission to. And so you blamed yourself. Well, I, well, in a way, just like how did he know that, like? I mean, I was in no way attracted to him. Like, I'm mm. not saying that at all. Like, but that's what fucked my head. Like, just mm. like, how did he know? Like, that, that's that, that's what I took. And maybe I'm giving off some sort of sign or some Obviously. sort of... You know what I mean? That, that, that really troubled me. And that's why I kept quiet about it. I was just like... Oh. Abuse survivors feel like that. The hetero ones, I felt like it. 
you know, and the the whole thing is I carry a backpack of shit that didn't belong to me. It was like guilt, shame, embarrassment, and everything like that. But when I started telling my story, I was taking that belt pack, backpack off and pelting it back at the perpetrator and saying, this shit's yours, you carry it. And I say that, that's one of the biggest things I say to survivors, you know. You, we carry stuff that don't belong as, to us as survivors, you know, that the detrimental. Do you think any of your aggression come out of that? But p- potentially, yes, but I, I don't, man, I, I can't say. I, I, I do remember, like, uh, particularly when I went to Manly and I felt like I had to step up and, and, and be uh, on the field more as a, more of a, an enforcer type role mm. and that kind of, I, ne- I needed to do that for myself. Um, I, mean, I mean, it might play into it. I don't, I don't really know, mate, but I, I do know that I was, I knew I was gay and I just, like, I've got to rise above what what if I don't, if I don't give a hundred and fifty percent, or if I don't be like that little bit better, or whatever that is. What you know, if I don't be the 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 absolute at least the equal, mm. then I'm always gonna be the, the the lesser. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I get it. You know, and that's why I, I think Indigenous players are, are so freaky. You know, they're always just fucking. They they always get that. I'm going to prove to you that I'm as good, if not better, than you. I, I, I'm so impressed by Indigenous sports people. I would absolutely know. agree with that, mate. They are amazing. Recently, was it six players? Was it six players refused to wear the... Yeah. The Manly jersey? Yeah, that's, um, that whole situation, obviously it was poorly handled. It could have been handled a lot better. It's not the way you wanted to get you know, a conversation around a pride pride round started, but you know, <laughs> if nothing else, it definitely got it started. The conversation, man. I was uh, kind of weird because they Manly rang me a couple of a couple of months before the game, and initially it was going to be a women's round, but they wanted to make it more inclusive, so they thought we'd make it a pride round, make it much more inviting and welcoming, you know, like to everyone. And my initial reaction as a as like a fifty seven year old gay man, only because. Where I come from, every time we've had this discussion, the community, the, the, like the pride community, the LGBTQA plus community, always start. We start from a point where we have to know that we're going to, you know, we're going to have to um, make concessions, and we're going to have to be very flexible. You yeah. know, like it's like this is where we are. This is where you want to be. This is progress. You know what I mean? Like we, we know that we're going to have to be like very flexible, willing to negotiate and compromise and all that. Unfortunately, you know, when 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 they when they told me they were doing this, and I, my initial reaction as a fifty-seven-year-old gay man, knowing that was like, if you guys had no pushback, mm. like that was my initial reaction. Just like you know, it's like, going too easy. Yeah, like the the, the, the whole uh, religious side of things is where I always expect to see some sort of pushback, and they were like, nah, no, 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 we haven't. And knowing what we know now, they just hadn't spoken to enough people. Yeah. Like you know, what I mean, that was so. Yeah, ended up being like. Total chaos. I mean, I, I, I will say that I'm uh, I'm kind of proud that Manly went through with it. They were talking at one stage they were, they were going to, be, you know, not had the pride round, but they went through with it. You know, and their season absolutely collapsed after that. I think they lost every game after that. And Des lost his job. Yeah. Des, Des lost his job. But, you know, like I just a bit of credit to Des here. I had a had a conversation with him a, a few weeks after the, after that, all that uh, hoo ha. And uh, for anyone who knows Des, knows how competitive he is, right? Like, it, like as a, as a, as a player, like yeah. he was incredibly competitive, um, and or it was all about winning. 
But even he said, he said to me, Robbo, mate, I, I didn't realise that, you know, um, some things are more important than two competition points and that made me realise just, you know, how much discrimination your, your, your community has to put up with. Like, that was a big, that's a big thing. call. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that was... I mean, that would have like, felt good, man. Oh, it? yeah, it did, did for me. And, like, I, I love Desi. Like, I have so much respect for the guy. But, you and him would get a lot, how you train, like, he's yeah. like... He's yeah, like he, he was like a thoroughbred horse. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you know the other thing is like one of the uh, major sponsors of, of the NRL is, is a is an organisation called Pride in Sport, <laughs> and, and this is a crazy thing. They have this, uh, they actually facilitate pride rounds. Mm. Did the NRL or Manly even reach out to them? No, no. That's what they do. It's like it's crazy that like you know they had they had this other uh, sports index where it, it's it, it's about. Uh, creating a safe environment for, for the queer community, like mm. in sporting corporations, I think only four of the um, of the NRL teams have have, have run with the uh, with the index, mm. and like it should be compulsory that type of thing. But mm. if we're going to make the game more inclusive and and, and diverse and, and whatever that means, you know, yeah. you got to at least you, you got to at least make be willing to have a conversation. You can't well, just say point blank, no, I have no bar of that. I think. I, I, and I was talking to some. I was talking to a woman last night and her husband. And I think I was talking about interviewing you, and and they were, they were talking. They were just they're big fans. Anyway, being being not to be out of being in the closet is very similar to being in prison. It's it's so much like it. I think you can't be yourself. You dictate society. People beyond you are dictating terms in your life. That's a, that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, I yeah, can only imagine. Yeah, yeah it's, that, they are. And, and there's shitbags with bad breath and fucking bad attitude <laughs> <laughs> that are fucking dictating the fucking in terms in your life. And it's fucking sad. And it's really, my, your, what you do in your bedroom or in your lounge room or in your fucking washing machine has got nothing to fucking do with me. You know what I mean? And that's, that's fucking sad people dictating who you can love. love, love. Who you can care about. Yeah, yeah. That's what it comes like. That's, you know, it's who, who you can care about. It's like, and when I say care, it's like we're, we're talking like, you know, parents and children that, that, yeah. and, 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 and the, the, the way that that can affect those types of relationships too. It's just, it's just not, you know, uh, same sex people like who, who have a relationship. It's a whole extent, it's a whole community. Like, I totally agree, mate. It's, um, I'm a, I'm a director of, a, uh, of an organisation called uh, Qtopia Sydney. We're trying to create um, an LGBTIQA plus museum here, like a pride yeah. museum here in Sydney. In Sydney, uh, we had a, um, a huge we had a huge announcement last week. Um, the uh, the Murdoch Sarah and Lachlan Murdoch Foundation donated a million dollars to it. Wow. Um, we've had some some other really good shore and partners. Um, just made a really fantastic donation to one of our. But the reason I'm what, 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 what would it entail? What would it entail in music? It, it's around well education, celebration, and remembrance, mate. Yeah. It's, the education is is where I'm big on. My partner actually works for uh, Jason Clare. He's an advisor for Jason Clare. He's federal education minister. Uh, my partner Dan used to be um, a school teacher. Was also used to help write curriculum. For, yeah. for the education department, I'm really big on education, mate, and I really and I'm now talking from primary school right through to the corporate mm. realm uh, world. We would be facilitating uh, programs around this space, around queer space and pride and LGBTIQA plus issues. The educational side of things, that's the educa- That's what I'm big on. The educational side of things, the, ce- the celebration side of things is 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 where we are and, and celebrating who we are and just what we were talking about, that, like. Building healthy communities, relationships—I mean, things like um, 
letting people know what all the letters of the alphabet, like all the letters of the queer community stand for and what they mm. represent. You know, things like, simple things like, what's a safe space? Yeah. Like people people think it's a silly question. I said, well, a safe space looks very different for someone with a disability as it does to, to, to someone of colour or yeah. uh, someone who's transitioning to like a, a cis white man. You know what I mean? They're very, like, the safe spaces, there's a lot <laughs> just even in that space, you know, uh, and then remembrance, mate. Like we 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 um, we we'd be looking right back through before colonisation to our First Nations people, and 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 how they dealt with this, and 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 um, the way that that they uh, embraced their queer community, mm. um, right through colonisation, right through you know the whole Mardi Gras thing. People think because of marriage equality, everything was everything was sorted, and and mm. and, and, and yeah, we're good now. Yeah. There's still like an incredible amount of work. We were speaking earlier, mate, about uh, about suicide figures, and they're, they're awful. I didn't realise that. If you if you're in LGBTIQA plus people are five times more likely to uh, attempt suicide. It, trans trans people are uh, eleven times more likely. To, uh, so th- th- those types of t- statistics are awful, like, and they're, they're not. We have to like we have to be like mature enough to have this conversation. We do, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, and that's what's and that's what a, a, like a museum. A, a museum's almost like a beacon of hope for people mm. as well, mate, because it's an actual premise. It's a safe space mm. for, for people out in the regional areas of the country. Areas they can they know they're coming to a safe space, and it's an educational space. Yeah, for the last three years, that's kind of all I've been working on. Good on you. After. Football night. I want to, man. That, I've drove past that joint. It looks like a prison. There's little cameras everywhere. And how did you end up in there? It's very much a prison. Mate, I was always. Um, uh, I said before that I couldn't read and write. Right. So I um, I learned to read and write when I went to NIDA. Okay, what's the acronym stand for? Uh, the National Institute of Dramatic Arts. Yeah. Mate, and like I said, when I say I can read and write, I'm I can function now. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no Shakespeare. Yeah. I'm not going to you know start writing sonnets, but I. My car, I, and I was growing up. I was always part of the ensemble acting stuff at school, yeah. like you know, right through to primary. Right, but I could never sight read because I couldn't read. Literally, mm-hmm. you know, like so. I ne- I was always in the chorus, or you know, like <coughs> I was always in you know, the second tree from the left, or the cleaner at the right. So my car, like this is now a couple of years after I retired from footy. I was also in a bad place with my mental health, like yeah. at, at that point because I didn't couldn't really. Did you lose your purpose after football? Oh, absolutely, mate. I'd like it. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, happens to a lot of footballers, doesn't it? It's it's a big black hole I fell into. Mm. It took me a long long time to crawl out of it. But that's a really familiar story. Yeah, I mean that's such such a like. It's kind of weird because you you feel like you've already peaked Mm. in your life. You know what I mean? It's like oh, did you finish your career at North Queensland Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was great. Anyway, yeah. So it was a couple of years after that, and I was my car broke down uh, just up the road from. NIDA, um, as they prayed there at, King, at Kingsford, and um, I was walking by there, and I thought, oh, I'll just duck in there and see if there's someone, because I thought I'd like to get back into, like, doing some community theatre or whatever, mm. you know, maybe there might be someone that can help me. They put me in touch with a bloke by the name of Kevin Jackson. Like, he loved Kevin. I went to his funeral uh, just a month ago. He, outside of my family, my direct family, probably had more effect and, like impact on my life as a person than, than any other particularly male uh, male uh, mentor in my life. So I met him, you know, um, and he said, oh, look, he gave me half an hour. That, like, he said, come on, we'll, 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 we'll see where you're at and um, we'll take it from there. So he asked me to spot read, and I, I was like, oh, shit. No. That's like, it was embarrassing. I, like, I can't read loud. I can't read out loud. I oh. can read, 
but I do that and I, and I, and I sound like I'm just uh, 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 oh, I but I just like, like and I said to him like it was so embarrassing you know you, you, you start flush or your face flushes yeah. and you get you just feel like and he said oh you're okay and he said ah oh, shame's like, a horrible thing oh it's awful mate like it's yeah, yeah. and I just said oh man I, I can't I can't read I mean I, I can make out some of the words but I'm not really and he was like it's just, and this is what this is where the change happened it was one, one of those light bulb moments in my life he was like oh don't worry about it he said, are you dyslexic? And I hadn't been diagnosed by them, right? And I said, no, I'm just dumb, you know? He said, no, 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 not at all. This happens all the time. He says, what we'll do is we'll, we'll tape, we'll, we'll tape the dialogue, go home, listen to the tape, l- learn the dialogue through memory, and we, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll give it a go then. And it was so not an issue for him. He said, oh, we get people in dyslexic people here all the time. He said, that, 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 that's not. But it was the first time anyone in my life like it was so not an issue. It was almost like it was the most one of the most empowering moments of of my life, and it caused you so much grief and oh, and so much angst. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was still holding on to that when I had to repeat first grade. Yeah, yeah. when the, when the, when the when the teacher told my mum and dad, oh, we want him to repeat first grade. My dad's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. It was n- not an issue, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, that, I was reliving that. I was reliving that moment all over again. Like, but Kevin was just like, and it was so not an issue ever with Kevin. And then I there's this thing called phonetics. Uh, it's like an alphabet in itself, but it's it, it's a, a little bit well for me. It was much easier to learn uh, because you you, uh, you actually spell words the way they sound. Yeah, yeah. yes. Like I said, I, I learned to read and write like good enough to to to, to spot read and sight read. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was wonderful, mate. It was like it's so empowering. How long were you at Nightfall? Four years. I, I, I the course was three years. I was there for. After I saw Kevin, uh, I was there. For, I was Kevin was doing some uh, some just one on one stuff with me for about a year. Mm. He said, "Why don't you do, you know, do the degree, do, do the course, a three year course?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm too old." And he said, "Oh, if you like, and again, where's the wisdom? If you're good enough, you're old enough. I mean, that's normally you say that in reverse. If you're yeah. too young, you know, and like he said, oh, if you're good enough, you're old enough." I said, I spoke to Dean Morrison, pro-surfer, the other day, and I said. He, he just said something to me, in, and I said about seven. I said, I'm too old for surfing. He goes, you know the bloke, the best surfer in the ocean? And I said, oh, he said, the one who's having the best time. Yeah, great. Absolutely spot on. It's very similar to what you were just saying then. You went to Hollywood. Yeah, I, I, I lived over there for about... Um, off and on for about six years. Yeah. Um, it was great. Like, it was... But yeah, let's be honest, mate. If I... But I was... Um, I was fortunate I, I had a career in rugby league because if, if I was trying to survive on my acting checks to, yeah. f- to feed me, I would have gone pretty hungry. Yeah. I've seen a photo shoot of you at Santa Monica Beach. Oh, like I, did, like I did, did like well over 30 like movies and that over there, but yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing substantial. And then come back, underbelly, you've done underbelly, George yeah. Freeman's bodyguard. Yeah, we just, uh, yeah, yeah, I've uh, been lucky enough to do, 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 to work off and on, you know, for the last, uh, uh, ten years here in in, in Australia. You, you know, the, I, I remember watching the movie The Sum of Us, Jack Nicholson, and that was the first movie about Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. And that, and and you talk about the kissing scene and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? I remember watching it in jail and people go, "Oh, Russell, Russell." Like I met Russell once, and he, he said to me that, that, that he got most uh, he got he got most enjoyment because after that he did Romper Stomper. Yeah. Polar opposite. Polar opposite, right? He yeah. said he used to love that because not many people had, who had seen Romper Stomper had, had watched some of us. Yeah. And then he was promoting, as on his, uh, when he was promoting Romper Stomper, he'd tell them to all watch uh, some of us. Yeah. And because it's, it's, it's just blow their, yeah, yeah. blow the bigots' minds. Get all, get all the skinheads watching fucking yeah. some of us. <laughs> get that in there. Yeah. 
And do you think that was like um, a sort of a pivotal moment in Australian? Any visibility is good. Mm. Any visibility is good. I think it's positive. You, know, you can't be what you can't see, particularly for young for, wow. for younger people growing up. You know, I mean, anything anything is good. I like that word. I like that saying. You can't be what you can't see. I like it. Yeah, I'm stealing it. Any visibility, I think it'll be a much healthier uh, situation, and we were a long way off it when um, then sexuality doesn't come into you know the actors performance or if you're it, not judged on it yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean but you know um but 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 that still happens you know it, it is what it is i haven't been down i've been living on the gold coast i've just come back to sydney i've just been living on the gold coast for about six i've been out of jail six years but just come back down and i'm noticing there's a real big celebration there's a big change down here in that six years i've seen like the banks are celebrating you know it's on the buses like people are really embracing pride month do you, do you feel of a much of a change? Have you found um, corporations are realizing now that, that you know, a safe space is a better environment for for, for, for output for from their employees, diversity and inclusion. That's why it's important, mate. It's about, all about the bottom line. Yeah. If it wasn't improving their bottom line, you know, like they get it now. They get it. It's like you know, like when someone's happy and brings their true self to, to, to work and they're comfortable, they work better. Yeah. There's more output. There's more more, more productivity. You know, it's like that, that, that's a no brainer. And and it's also um, all those little small victories that, that the uh, the queer community, the pride community, have had you know since the seventy eight, since Mardi Gras and all that. Is that, is that. that was the first Mardi Gras. Uh, no, the, it was Mardi Gras before that. But, uh, that's the one that gets the most recognition because that's when they all they all the uh, uh, there was all those assaults, police grooming, like there's a whole lot of bashings and the police. Because it used to be a crime to be out. Homosexual. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. How far? When? Did, what year did that law change? Ah, uh, I couldn't tell. That would have been eighty, eighty, early eighties. But you know the, the progress. I mean, and that's what I mean. You know, that's why things Evolution. like the, things like the museum are important because you know, mm. you don't want to make those same mistakes like we did. It's like it's like when the police first marched in Mardi Gras about ten years ago. There was a whole lot of pushback because a lot of the original seventy eighters and the and the older generation didn't think it was appropriate because of all the bashings and that that yeah. used to occur. But 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 that's but but that's you know, that's progress. Like we're embracing it now. Like the, the police now celebrate it. They've got one of the you know one of the most popular the prison officers haven't. I've seen the prison officers float and I said, that's bullshit. There was two of them on it. So there's a fucking lot more. And I think that even with the prison officers, I think there's an indoctrination in the, within the prison. And they're, they're, they're homophobic. Oh. They are racist. And a lot's got to change in that job. And that terminology, faggot and porf and all that sort of stuff, they, that is prevalent amongst yeah. them. I can, only, I can only imagine, mate. Crazy. Hey, um, what would you say to a young... 16-year-old bloke or boy or whatever now that's struggling to come out about, you know, about their sexuality, what would be, what would be the advice that would you, you would give them? There are many services that, that, that people can reach out to if they're, if they're feeling like, uh, you know, if they're doubting themselves or having issues. There, there are many, many services that you can reach out to, and they're easy, uh, easily um, accessed. If, if, if someone's uh, having issues, I mean, speak to your school teacher. Like, you know, you'd, I'd like to say that you know, just tell your mum and dad and, and how you're feeling, but in a lot of times that's just not going to be practical advice because it's, it's not a safe environment. It possibly could not be a safe environment. I mean, my my, I don't think that advice would have helped me like, mm-hmm. growing up. But you know, but the crazy thing is, I look at my partner Dan. Uh, Dan and I've been together like 18 years. He's he never came out, only only because he'd never had to come out. 
he just used, he started bringing boys home, and mm. it was always just okay, you know. What yeah. I mean? it was, it, it, so his was a safe. You, you get what I'm saying? Like he, yeah. th- that that would be the ideal world where you don't have to come out. Like it's just like you know, whoever you come, I'm bringing my, my you know, I'm bringing my partner home this weekend, and mum and dad. It could be a boy, or, you know, it might be a boy or a girl, whatever. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. My um, mate set me up once. My mate worked for Telstra. And he put all gay magazines under my bed with scrunched up to- uh, tissues and Vaseline intensive care. It set you up. <laughs> set me up. And my mum, I came home from work one and my mum said, son, I wouldn't bother me if you're gay. And I said, mum, if I was gay, I'd tell you. And she'd go, what are them magazines you've got under your bed? <laughs> <laughs> and it went up and I said, they're fucking not much. She goes, no, no, mate, come here, give us a hug. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I still think she died thinking, you know, that I went that way for a while. But... And you're a credit, and honestly, the gay community are, are fucking, should be fucking privileged to have you because I'll tell you what I think, and I really believe this. I believe that you made the gay community, in particular in Sydney, the gay community, it's safer for gay people to walk the streets. And I'll tell you why. These people go on gay bashing. If you walk around the corner, they ain't bashing you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, unfortunately, that's... Uh, Still happens, doesn't it? Absolutely, mate. And I'm only saying that because just recently, uh, probably within the last month, a dear friend of mine just... Like a good, good friend of mine, which is like really uh, badly assaulted. How do you feel about that? It's, it, I mean, it, it upsets me. Like, it's sad, man. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it angers me. It's all those things. It's, it's such a, a mixture of emotion. I just like, I don't get it, mate. I just don't, I just don't get it. Like, but that goes back to education. It's, it's exactly, and that's why education is so important. I, I said about, you know, the, our sword and our shield, it's, mm. it's our greatest weapon, mate. It, it is really what it will change it. And like, and it has to start from, 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 it has to come from the younger generation. I mean, people, old, like, hardheads like you and I, we're kind of set in our way now. Like, it's, Oh, but even saying that, you know, like even even that's open to scope. I look at my dad and how and, and his the way he changed, you know, like um. Mm. I know oh, Joe Dispenza. I, I listen to my daughter, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a neuroscientist. I listen to his podcast, and he says all your your beliefs and are out of form by the time you're 32. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard. To, he said, but there's ways of doing it, and through experience, you know. Yeah. My dad, like the uh, the change in him was, like I said, 180. 180. I mean, just. Uh, before he died, my dad did a. Uh, I got interviewed. I think it was a sixty-minute thing, and they asked one of the, the reporters had to ask my dad. He said, "Oh, you must be very proud of your son." And my dad, like man of very few words, he said, "I'm." Uh, so the reporter said, "You know, you must be very proud of your son," referring to me. And my my dad said, "I'm equally of proud of all my children." Mm-hmm. But I am very grateful that I was given a gay son because I got to see the world as it really was. Wow! Unbelievable, right? Like unbelievable, yeah. and like, and that—that's. But that's all that had to be said. Like, you know, the, 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 even starting with, I'm equally as proud of all my children. Wow, beautiful! What a beautiful thing to have someone say about you. I got. I remember the ju- last time I went before a judge. He said, "I'm an asset to the community now." I used to be an enemy of the state. Now I'm an asset because of the work I do at Voices. And, and man, I, I get that. I stuff in totally that powerful. Right. That powerful to hear your dad say that, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of good work being done in, in, in politics and that too now. Like, it's that's why this this museum is so it's so important to me. Like, it really is a bit of a legacy, not not just for me, but the legacy for our community, for World Pride, even. You know, like yeah. the, uh, World Pride's happening at the moment. This fucking place is yeah. buzzing, man. We're on the um, eve of Mardi Gras, as we as we call this, and it's the month of World Pride. And um, what are you doing to celebrate? <laughs> a pretty busy couple of weeks for me, yeah. um, in, in a good way. Um, I'm doing a whole load of the parties, obviously going to the parade, 
like I said, you know, we talked about visibility before. It's it, it's back on the street too again now. I mean, it was great the last few years that they kept Mardi Gras going and it was continuous uh, because of the COVID thing. We, they had it at, uh, at the uh, cricket ground. Uh, but it's good that it's back on the street and, and, and it's it's good for people in the uh, out in the suburbs and the regional areas and come in and see it again. Yeah, the place is of, buzzing. Yeah, it's great, mate. It's always it's, it's always wonderful, mate. This time of year, it's always it's, it's always a nice feel. Yeah, and that's what we're celebrating that. But there's just a lot to celebrate, you know, and it's it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so man. I'm one of these guys. I'm all about freedom, man. I'm about freedom, about racial freedom, about absolutely man. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and you're an icon. Man, and and I said, that's it. I know you struggle with that, I can see it, but you are. You're an icon, you're a leader, and you have a very powerful voice and people are going to listen to you. I've been very fortunate, mate. I, um, yeah, I, I'm fully aware of that, mate. I, but like I said before, I like about the whole inspirational and tragic thing, there are just... It, it, it's easy to care, mate. Like I just, you know, it's, no. always, it's so easy to get on in this world. I often wonder why so many people choose not to. You know, it's like just, it's just so easy to get on. Love, love heals everything. It sounds like it's it, it, like that that, that 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 gets like thrown around, but it's mate, it's so true. It's just it, it's okay to care about people, mate. You know what? I talk about this all the time. Like people say, "How did you, how did you make the comeback?" I said, "Well, love to heal my trauma. I didn't get bashed the trauma bashed out of me by a prison of me." I got love brought me out of trauma. It was beautiful. Anger and and, and grief and it's like it's uh, oh, it's, it's so, it made it's so draining. Yeah, it's, it is, isn't it? It, it exhausts you, mate. Like yeah. hold, yeah. holding yeah. a grudge, you know, like even holding a grudge, you're just yeah. like, oh man, I can't be bothered. Yeah, it's yeah. just like oh, my shoulders ain't broad enough. You, well, yours are, but you could carry a few on them, but. My shoulders ain't broad enough to carry them resentments. Yeah. And what's the saying? A resentment will rust the vessel that's contained in. Very good, mate. And having a resentment with someone's like drinking a cup of poison and hoping the other person dies from it. Fuck <laughs> 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 I'm going to use both of those. Yeah. Ian Roberts, thank you for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. One of my favourites. Too easy, mate. Thank you for the invitation. Happy Mardi Gras. Woohoo! <laughs>